And now we're going to have our gospel reading for this morning. And it's that story of the laborers in the vineyard. And it comes from Matthew chapter 20. Jesus said to the disciples, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the daily, usual daily wage, he sent them into the vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. And when he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock, he went out and found others standing around. And he said to them, why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard. When the evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now, when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner saying, these last worked only one hour and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, friends, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. The gospel of the Lord. I have to preach standing up. I don't know what it is. Sitting down and preaching is a little little harder. So uh, just getting myself organized here. So grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So uh, just recently, I started reading um, this new book uh, by Amanda Palmer called The Art of Asking, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Let People Help. Um, as somebody that's trying to be better for asking for help when I need it, I picked this up hoping to glean some helpful hints. But the book was not what I expected. In fact, it was much better. It's really a memoir in which Palmer writes about her experiences of being a street performer, a punk rock musician, an artist, and more. And the common theme that runs all throughout her varied experiences is the power of authentic human connection, which evokes generosity, gratitude, and grace. When Palmer was a street performer, um, she would dress up in a bridal, bridal gown and paint her face white, and she would stand up on a milk crate in Harvard Square, my old stomping grounds, though I don't remember seeing her there. Uh, and she was known as the eight-foot bride. She would stand there like a statue until someone would come by and toss money in the hat in front of her. And then she would move gracefully and present the person with a flower. It was a moment of surprisingly deep connection among the hustle and bustle of Harvard Square, a connection which she says always reminded her of the act of communion, 
where they encountered and saw one another and broke through the isolation and loneliness that is so much a part of our modern world. The unspoken exchange went like this. Um, she writes, uh, without any words spoken, she said, my eyes would say, thank you, I see you. And their eyes would say, nobody ever sees me, thank you. And over the course of the book, she also writes about the people who helped her to become the eight foot bride, her boss at the ice cream shop who let her change in the basement, the floor, florist who gave her a discount on flowers that were beginning to wilt, and the restaurant owner who conferred upon her free burritos for life. Um, and she described how other street performers and even the homeless beggars in the square would sometimes toss money in her hat in acknowledgement of her art and their common humanity. As she hit the road with her band, the Dresden Dials, Dolls, she would often post on Twitter that they needed a place to crash in the next town that they were playing or a place to stay, a place to rehearse, access to a piano or food, and fans would invite them into their homes, deliver them home-cooked meals, make introductions to other fans and friends and more. And they formed this generous community of relationships around this music. So much so that later on, she would create a crowdfunding Kickstarter campaign to produce a new album, and 25,000 people gave $1.2 million to help make that happen, the largest music Kickstarter campaign ever at that time. What Palmer discovered and nurtured was a generosity, a graciousness that is shaped in community by freely sharing of ourselves and what we have at our disposal. And it all started with asking, but such asking often is an act of courage. She writes, everyone struggles with asking. From what I've seen, it isn't so much the act of asking that paralyzes us, it's what lies beneath. The fear of being vulnerable, the fear of rejection, the fear of looking needy or weak, the fear of being seen as burdensome members of the community instead of a productive one. It points fundamentally to our separation from one another. Often it is our own sense that we are undeserving of help that has immobilized us. Whether it's in the arts, or at work, or in our relationships, we often resist asking not only because we're afraid of rejection, but also because we don't even think we deserve what we're asking for. We don't even think we deserve what we're asking for. And the word that stands out to me in this uh, and in the first part of her book is deserving, deserving. We may not ask because deep down we may not think that we deserve what we're asking for, whether it's a little help or love, affection, forgiveness, community, or just a little break. And our readings for today, I think, follow along this theme. Um, our first reading is the parable about the laborers in the vineyards who um, under normal circumstances would have been paid differently according to the amount of time they worked. And yet the vineyard owner pays them all the same. And so the, vineyard, the, the laborers who arrived first thing in the morning complained to the owner. And the owner who is the stand-in for God in this parable says to them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. 
Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do um, what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? And so Jesus concludes, so the last will be first and the first shall be last. According to first century and 21st century economics, the laborers who came later in the day certainly did not deserve the same amount as those who worked all of the day. And I can imagine that if I were hired first in the morning, I'd be right there complaining about it too. But in God's economy, deserving or worthiness really has nothing to do with it. God is generous and gracious, and God gives to us not because of what we have done or not done, earned, or because we deserve it, or because we are worthy of it, but because that is who God is, and that is how God loves us. God loves us and accepts us completely and beyond measure. I think when we read this passage, we are often provoked, which is exactly what Jesus wanted to happen, because we usually see ourselves as those who have labored all day, got up early, followed the rules, worked hard, and therefore deserving. But when we read the story as those who have come later in the day, I think we read it with new eyes, with a sense of great relief and gratitude for this unmerited grace. And here's the thing, we have all shown up late in the day. We all have, as the scriptures say, fallen short of the glory of God. And yet, nonetheless, God loves us just the same. We do not earn or prove our worthiness or deservedness to God. It is conferred by God upon us in love. God does not treat us as we deserve and thank God for that because in God's economy, deserving has nothing to do with it. That's what Lutherans mean when we say we're justified by grace through faith, that God is the main actor here in the story and that everything rests on God's goodness and grace, which we cling to in faith, which is itself a gift from God. And I feel like that this is the thing that Jonah is wrestling with in our first reading today. And, you know, I was thinking about Jonah this week, and you could hear it when uh, Livy was doing the reading that, you know, Jonah is kind of like that friend in your life who is just never happy, you know, and you can make that person happy no matter how hard you try. Um, but let's just take a moment to recall how we got here. So God calls Jonah to go to the city of Nineveh and tell them to repent, to change their ways and turn their hearts toward God. And Jonah wants no part of this, right? So he jumps on a boat to go to Tarshish, which is modern day Spain, which would have been considered the ends of the earth. Jonah was running away to the end of the earth to get away from this call from God. But a storm comes up and Jonah is swallowed by the big fish and rides in its belly for three days. It's, he's spit up on the shore and he finally makes his way to Nineveh because clearly he has no choice. And he tells the people to repent. And what do they do? They repent. They humbly repent. And they change their ways. And God is thrilled, but Jonah is so angry. He thinks they should still be smited by God. He feels like, I've made this whole trip, God, for nothing. Never mind saving the souls of 120,000 people and animals to boot. 
And now here he is outside of the city, resentful and pouting about Nineveh, about the whole thing. And God creates a bush to give him shade, then destroys it as a lesson. And as Jonah sits there and pouts and he melodramatically says, it would just have all been better for me to die than to have to endure all this. And God asked Jonah the same question he asked in the gospel reading. Don't I have the right to do with what is mine? And that's the end of the book. There is no coda, no conclusion, no wrapping up. The the book really ends on that question. Don't I have the right to do with what is mine? Why do we resent the grace that others receive when we too have received grace upon grace? Why do we find it hard to accept how graciously God has loved and gifted us? Why do we have a hard time asking for accepting the help that God gives? Why do we turn life and love into a competition? Palmer writes, those who can ask without shame, and I might say receive without shame, are viewing themselves in collaboration with rather than in competition with the world. But since we ourselves have received unmerited grace, we can, unlike Jonah or the laborers who arrived first, celebrate when others receive the same. Or as Palmer writes, when we really see each other, when we really see each other, we want to help each other. God's love does not depend on our worthiness or our deserving. It is a gift freely given to all. It is already ours. Let's take the time today in worship, the remainder of the Sabbath day this week, to really count our blessings, the good things that God does for us each day, and to receive them with gratitude for all that God has already done and given and to find the ways that we too can pass on that blessing to others. Amen.